0: Welcome, Pelotero, episode 72. I am flying solo as a host today. Chris Colabello here with special guest, and I am excited about this one. One of my favorite teammates of all time, and uh, one of uh, probably the most storied careers in all of baseball, LaTroy Hawkins. Hawk, welcome, man.
1: Thanks for having me on, CC. It's a pleasure.
0: Dude, it, it is an honor to have you. I've, I'm just getting a lot of LaTroy in my life uh, these days, which is always good for me because I miss you. We had that great that run in 2015. And um, obviously, both former twins, too. And uh, your background, much your resume is much deeper than mine. And uh, I look forward to talking about that. But I was honored to have you as a teammate and now to be able to call you a friend as well. So uh, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Thanks, CC. Anytime, brother. Like you said, man, it was that 2015 run was so impressive. We had a lot of fun. I was like, we had a lot of fun. It was great seeing you this past weekend at the ABCA, as always.
0: Heck yeah! Like, I always can't want see you there. That that's going to become uh, like our our yearly meetup. Um, I think from now on. Obviously, you're. Your position now with the twins you're in the front office before we get started uh tell me a little bit about what you're doing what your day-to-day and and roles are like there because uh i'm I'm super curious i want to know more about how how you're helping the future generations of baseball
1: so my title is uh special assistant to baseball operations it's the job they used to call a special assistant back in the day but it entails um just a little bit of everything, you know. When I took the job in 2017, our president of the team, Dave St. Peter, asked me to do television because, you know, wanted some some fresh faces in the TV booth, some faces that our you know our fans can you know can relate to and they, that they've seen actually play. Uh, so I'm doing that and also working with the pitching throughout the organization from the Dominican all the way up to the to the major league. So. I'll do that. I go check, I go see our minor league teams, um, each affiliate once a half. And I also do some scouting for the team, you know, our our top picks, uh, depending on where we're drafting at. And if one of our scouts called me and asked me, hey, Latroy, can you go uh put a set of eyes on this guy? I'll do that too. So I got a, a few look, few things that I, you know, I dibble and dabble in, but I'm not I'm not locked into anything right now, but I just enjoying, you know, being able to stay in the game of baseball and have some small impact
0: well jack of all trades and probably master, master of all of, uh... of them too no <laughs> master of all of them too don't don't sell yourself short man you uh you make an impact everywhere you go i i think that was uh you know it's awesome i, I think we're, we're in a generation now where obviously talking about new school versus old school the whole industry seems a little bit divided and and you see the analytics and and the you know, the stat stuff and, and, the uh, you know, the stat geeks kind of taking over the game or whatever we want to call it, but uh, uh, there'll always be a place for you in the game in my book. And I think in a lot of other people's, which is why uh, the twins are smart to keep you around and, um, really, really cool. Like, uh, cause I think you, you can impact in so many ways, especially I get to tune into a broadcast every now and then, and, uh, and hear you on TV and I know how good a speaker you are. So, um it's it's awesome to watch you on that side of it too but like every time i get around you i just think you could probably still get out on the mound and get a couple people out if you needed to
1: i got nothing cc nothing nothing that's why i walked away but through the deuces sign before somebody told me hey latre you're not good enough anymore i was like you know what i know what i'm not good enough anymore you can have your jersey back (laughs)
0: well i'll tell you what you made a huge impact on that on that bullpen i think we were so young and and really we didn't have a clear leader in the bullpen in toronto and uh i I could tell the difference right away one of the first trips that we were on i remember you had uh you had all the bullpen guys out to dinner which i thought was a, a really cool thing and something that's important uh talk a little bit about that part of your career like what what point did you realize like you were kind of the older statesman, statesman the veteran, that could really uh, make an impact on younger players in the game.
1: You know what? I I have um, – I think I had 98 or 99 career starts. So my first three my first three and a half years in the big leagues, I was actually pitching every fifth day. I moved into the bullpen in 2000 <coughs> – excuse me, 2000 to 2001. And I had guys like Bobby Wells, Eddie Goddard, um. Oh, man, Mike Jackson, some guys who have spent some time in the bullpen and just, you know, just sitting back and watching those guys go about their business and how they were. They were like they lay it by example. And if they needed to to uh, use their voice to lead, they would do that also. And as you know, like, being, you know, being a leader in the, on a baseball team is tough being a pitcher. Because. You guys put in that real work every day, defensively and offensive offensively, every single night. So, you know, when you got a couple of pitchers that actually are leaders on the team, I think that shows a lot to their character because it's really hard to do when you're not out there every day. And I just I just try to learn from all the all the, the guys that came before me, Rick Aguilera, Kevin Tappany, just watching these these older guys go about their business and and I always thought if I ever got to the point where I was able to be a leader of men, I was going to do it the right way. And in the right way for me was making sure that every guy that came to my bullpen felt comfortable, not bullied, made sure that they, they understood that we were a family, not just a team. We were a family first. And then we had the team. And I wanted to make everything that they every day easier for them. So the only thing they had to worry about was getting outs when they, when it was their time up. And, you know, and then that started to manifest to, you know, Hey, let's hang out because some guys you need to nurture just a little bit more. And just being able to take guys out to dinner, especially the younger guys and tell, no, put your money in your wallet. This is your, this is your big brother taking you out. That's what it essentially is. Your big brother taking you out and showing you like, this is how you do it. This is how you you become a professional. It's how you respect your 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 name on the back of your jersey, and you respect the name on the front of the jersey, and just going about and doing things the right way, and that's that's all I ever wanted to do. Just do the things the right way and treat people like they treat people like with nothing but the utmost respect. And I always said, Cece, I was like, I don't care what my stats look like. I don't. I swear, I I couldn't I could care less what my stats. You know what I care about? What you said. One of the one of your top ten teammates. That right there. Makes me feel (laughs) that gives me joy as opposed to uh, I look at his back, his 21 years in the big leagues, man, that stuff don't mean nothing to me. How my teammates speak about me now says enough for me.
0: That's awesome, man. I, uh, it's abundantly clear to me that you manifested all those things that you tried to represent. Right. And, and to that point, I I think watching you do it and watching go through it. And and again, like, I'm blessed and honored to call you a friend and, and hearing the way you're talking about it. Was it different for you when you came up? I, I know it was a, you know, you had a long time in the game, so you probably got to see a little bit of Everything. how the generations changed. Did that have an impact on it, would you say? <clears throat>
1: yeah, when I first came up, it was more the 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 real old school guy, Kirby Puckett and Chuck Knobloch, um, Pedro Munoz. You know, Cecil Fielder, Dave Winfield, a lot of the older guys, and they were I, I wouldn't say they were they were mean to us because Kirby took me under his wing and, and taught me pretty much everything I knew. It was just a different era of the of the game. It was an era of the game where you you speak when you're spoken to. You know, not in a bad way, but it's like you gave the utmost respect to the people who came before you the utmost respect. If you're in a situation where they're talking, you're not, you're not in interjecting into their conversation. You're sitting there like a puppy trying to take in as much information as you can, instead of you're listening, instead of talking. Um, <clears throat> for me, that was like the, the biggest thing, being able to um, see the older guys, respect them to the fullest, um, try to get as much good out of them as possible, um, and just being able to to understand where they were coming from, understand their journey, because that generation of players went through a strike, so they fought the fight, they fought the hard fight, so they had a chip on their shoulders. And then we got to the generation where, where my generation that came in, and we're on the on the coattails of that that hard nosed um, generation before us. And we were able to, um, you know, the old saying we used to have when we do our collective bargaining group, don't let the genie out of the bottle. And we were, we were like, um, we were recipients of that, that slogan, do not let the genie out of the bottle. So we fought tooth and nail to keep what we had. And every generation is different. And as you can see, is at the generation now where I think our game is at a real pivotal point um, with ownership and, and players
0: for sure for sure i and i couldn't agree with you more i think you, you see a little bit of the transition in the game from and, and it's almost like a reflection of of the world if you will too right like right. there are times when the the players are super united and they're coming together for a a cause that they probably feel like is is bigger than themselves and then at other times now just from the outside looking in and obviously you and i aren't aren't too far removed from the game as players but just feels a lot more divided and it feels like now uh, you're seeing the players need to take a stance, probably part of why we're in a lockout. And I know you're on the team side and stuff like that. And you know, we can't talk too much about like the, the nuances and ins and outs of it, but it's, uh, there. are just swings in, in the way things are. And I really hope for, for the, the future generations of players that this lockout will make an impact and it'll make an impact for future generations, you know?
1: Yeah. And, it's, and you're right. Like talking about the strike, I mean, the lockout and and things like that. It's when you, when you lead the game as a player, you get a chance to reflect and understand both sides. And if you don't try to understand both sides, I think you're stuck in, you're stuck in, in time. And you don't want to be stuck in time. So I got, I have a real grasp of how MLB sees it and I have a real understanding of how the players see it from the union perspective. And we're in a very tough time in the game, tough time in the game. But I I tell people like this generation, they have to worry about so much more than, than we did. They have so many other distractions and it's not them. It's society in itself. It's just not baseball. It's society in itself, social media. Like, you know, a lot of times we, we we're, were younger. We thought about playing in, you know, we're playing for our team, playing for a, a cause, you know, baseball already is a, a, like an individualized sport. That's how you get paid. But now it's, it's the most, it's so selfish because everybody's, I think everybody's so locked into their brand Sure. and they forget what the real brand is. The real brand is W's and L's. That's the real brand. So that's the real brand. And I understand there's so many opportunities to uh, make money off the field, but, I was telling people you, you got to make money on the field first and then you can make some money off the field, but you can't put the, the, the carriage. In, no, you can't put the horse behind the carriage. They got to go. One got to go first.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. Just
1: having guys stay focused, man. Just, you have to stay focused on what the, what the, what the real cause is.
0: That's a great point, man. And I think, uh, I, you know, I, when I was younger, it was, it was hard for me to understand why, or how certain players, like when I started building my first relationships with guys that were in the big leagues that had a, you know, had a little bit of a, a tension, I guess, or that were, were turning into stars in the game. I, I remember Carlos Pena was the the prime example. I played with his brother. I'd spent a lot of time with their family. And I remember there were times when I, you know, you text Carlos and he you wouldn't hear from him for three weeks or whatever. And you sit there and, and I'd be like, man, how, how do you not return a text? And then I remember after we won the division series, I looked at my phone and I had 364 text messages.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I'm like, now I get it. It makes sense. Right. And I, I just think that's a little bit of what you're, what you're alluding to is the fact that as players, I think we would all for the most part, anyway, I would say we'd all love to be able to do all the things that we can and, and be able to do all the outreach and all the events. But at some point uh, you know, you have to take care of your career because that's what that's what your brand really is, is who you are as a player, who you are on the field. So
1: right.
0: it, it's a really good thing. And I think, you know, you notice as you get older and you pay more attention, the more attention you get, the more negative attention you're going to get no matter what too. So uh, that's just a, a thing that I try to, to point out to younger players when they're they're trying to build their own brand. In this
1: generation, CC, they don't get a chance ever to unplug. I had a chance to play in the big leagues when there were no cell phones. We barely had video games. We had one phone in the clubhouse and if you wanted to call out, you had to pick up the phone and go through the operator.
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable.
1: So when we got to the ballpark, we were able to completely unplug from the outside world. Nobody gets to do that anymore. Nobody gets to do that. My wife, I was like, if you need me, call me on that, that, that phone in the clubhouse and it has to be an emergency and it has to be an emergency that I can help with, that I can help with. Now everybody got their cell phones. They, I mean, everybody's texting them nonstop. I mean, you're worrying about everything before you go out on the mountain, you know, go play first base or DH. That's what I enjoyed about those years. I played in the major leagues with no cell phone. We were able to completely unplug from the outside world until
0: seven Oh five. That's awesome. And, and now it's, that there's this almost this feeling that the world has the right to know everything that goes on in the clubhouse it's scary right like it's scary to think about that as a player now as a young player i can't imagine because there was a detachment you know there was a detachment for sure and and that's how i grew up around the game what happened in the clubhouse stayed in the <clears throat> clubhouse now it's like what happens in the clubhouse is everybody's business and everybody got an answer for you everybody knows how to fix it and it's like, man, you, everybody
1: knew the, the, the context of the, the conversation and, and the infliction and, and how it came off and, and what somebody else really meant. Everybody knows everything and they should know a goddamn thing.
0: <laughs> no, you're right on the money. And I, I mean, I think this is, I know, it, it, this <clears throat> is like the awesome stuff that I, I love to hear. And uh, you know, it goes hand in hand with, you know, what, what were the keys for you? Like, when did you feel like you belonged in the big leagues? Did you, when you got there first, did you feel like you belong there or, and how did that transition kind of happen for you?
1: I think that transition happens different for everybody. Everybody's individual. It took me about three and a half years to feel like I really belonged because I was starting and I had some success in the minor leagues. And I don't care about the minor leagues Are the minor leagues. It's, minor leagues were easy. It was a cakewalk. I'm not bragging. and It was a cakewalk. But what I do know about the big leagues, everybody's in the big leagues. <laughs> Everybody there. Everybody in the big leagues want to drive a Mercedes. They want to drive a Range Rover. They want the big house, the, you know, the mansion. They want it all. And they come in to take care. They're like the big. When you're young in the big leagues and trying to find your way, you're the little guy on a playground where the bullies take trying to take your lunch every day, and you got to fight them every day. You're the you're the, you're the guy getting picked on. Guys are setting you up, you know, just making you throw, you know, breaking balls and fastball counts and sitting on them. Just just all the little, they're playing chess and you're so young. I'm playing checkers. Yeah. I mean, just taking advantage of me. And it it was a it was it was tough, but after a while. You know, a couple years, you get a few innings under your belt. You get put in different situations. Um, You start to learn yourself better and understand what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And then you, once you learn yourself, then you can start to attack those other guys, those guys that you're facing. But you can't do that until you know oneself. You have to know yourself. And I say it was probably about – I probably had about five, 600, maybe 600 innings in before I was like, okay, I really belong here. And I can can continue to get better each and every start, each and every appearance, each and every week, each and every month, and understand that, hey, I need to get more comfortable in uncomfortable situations because what I'm doing out here, I'm always in an uncomfortable situation. So the more I become comfortable out there in that situation, I think the better I'm going to be. And I tell people, they're like, what do you mean? I was like, when I was a starter, I had so many people on base that when I went to the bullpen. I was comfortable with it. <laughs> I was comfortable with guys being on base. And that helped me because I'd already took my, my lumps starting having guys on first and second, no outs all the time. <laughs> Bases loaded, no outs. So once I got to the bullpen, when that stuff happened, I was a lot more calmer because I had been in that situation before. I knew what I needed to do. I was able to control my breathing and then... Again, the more you're out there, the more you learn yourself. You know what you can control in what situation. And that's how I got better, just being in those situations and having a manager that kept throwing my butt out there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head on so many things that I, I try to convey to younger players, right? Self-awareness. Be self-aware. Number one thing you can do. Because if you pay attention to yourself and to what's going on around you, the game will, will just tell you what's going on. They right? start
1: talking to you. Yeah.
0: It'll, and if you listen, it's you're going to figure it out sooner rather than later. Right. You know, the, the, the second thing, the second thing that I, I really try to uh, just get through to people is like how much your mind plays a role on everything that you do as a player. Right. And, and when you pay attention and you figure out who you are, now like you can just go out and do your job. Right. And, and, and the way you said it, like it's get comfortable being uncomfortable, man. And it's, it's really a, it's a deeper, it's not just simple. It's not like an easy thing. Oh yeah. I'm going to put myself, like I'm going to throw myself up against the wall for no reason. Like you have to really existentially believe that there's no situation that can hurt you. And, and most of the time it's just fear of the unknown that bothers right. us. Right. But if we get past that hump of like, I'm willing to accept new challenges. Now you every, day. Anything. every day, almost every day.
1: Every day we wouldn't accept it because you have to. We have to accept new challenges every day. I, and I and I love the way you you phrase that because it's always the fear. We're always fear. What is your biggest fear? Our biggest fear is failure. Hundred percent. Our biggest fear is failure. And and for a baseball player, that just just blows my mind because our game is like predicated around failure. Like like it's it's failure like yeah. it, that's what our game is it's built based on failure
0: looking back on it now i would just I, I i would do things so differently just based on my mindset i told one of my uh one of our college hitters i said i was like man i wish somebody put me in the big leagues 0 for 20 right now and he's like why would you want to be over 20 instead of 19 for 20 i was like 19 for 20 is too easy dog like if i'm 19 for 20 i'm gucci i'm good like I want to be over 20 cause like I want, I'd rather have to earn it. I'd rather have to get myself out of that feeling of, of that. And now I know I would handle it so much better. Better. Yeah. Okay. you know, to your point, right? We got to deal with failure and we, here we are setting the bar so high every day, expectations so high that they're almost unrealistic, right? Yeah.
1: Well I always tell guys, they, will, everybody want to take the elevator to the top. Nobody want to take the stairs, man. You got to take the stairs. And you gotta go through the school of hard knocks. I don't know where my career would be if I didn't start off so bad. I don't know if I would have I been able to mentally handle being successful right out of the gate. I don't know. I just don't know. But I do know I was, I'm, you know, I'm I was fortunate to struggle, to have that struggle, and to continue every year to try to find a way to get better and make adjustments. Because if I'd have started off like here, I don't know where, I, where, where do I go from if I start off up here. Where do I go from there?
0: Right. But
1: I know if I started off from here, since I had to start here, I knew I had no place to go but up. And just, you know, continually wanting the the, the real need and the hungriness to want to get better and learn from not just other pitchers. Like, we're best friends of fucking hitters. My
0: no, you can I mean, curse. It's all right. We just put a little e my next friend, to thing. I'll say fuck just so you don't feel bad about it. How's uh, that? <laughs> my,
1: my best friends are hitters. Like, oh, like I always tell the, the young pitchers now. Some of the kids I mentioned, I'm like, <clears throat> get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. Don't just be talking to pitchers. Yeah, Some pitchers can give you some good information, but that real insightful stuff is going to come from those guys. That's that you're trying to get out and that's their right. thought process and what they're thinking
0: thats right
1: and what they're looking for and how they can help you. That's how your, your hitters help you. They help you. Like, well, I don't, you know, I'm if I'm facing them in practice, I'm like, we're talking about practice, bro. We're trying to get better as a, as a whole. If you get better as a whole, we're going to get better individually too. I know it's hard for, to, to, you know, like even, you know, take that concept, but if we get better as a whole, that means we get getting better as a unit.
0: And everybody's going to have their best year. The more fun we have, the more guys are going to have the best year of their career.
1: Nobody gets left out. And that's nobody the, gets left behind.
0: That's yeah. what it felt. If you look through that, if you look through our 15 team, not to make it about that, right? And But like Ryan Goins, best year of his career. Kevin Pilar was like up and coming grind. I had the best year of my career. Donaldson won the MVP. Batista had as good a year. I mean, obviously he was a, already established as a, one of the better power hitters. Him and Eddie, you knew what you're gonna get.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: you look around that team, guys like Osuna and Sanchi really established themselves in the bullpen.
1: Brett and then Stro- came back.
0: Stro came Brett Cecil was having a lights out year that ended up getting him paid. Like, how many guys had great years? Because <clears throat> their team was so good. Because when we came to the park every day, we were just gonna go try to beat some beat the brakes off somebody, and we did it together. And then you perform better because of it, right? And that's—it's a hard message to convey to young people because they—they they have like this wall up, right? They—they're trying to guard everything and and their own brand stuff. You talked about and it's like, whoa, 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 time out, guys. And I, I was very spoiled my first year independent ball. I played for a manager who helped us understand that concept, right? And I, the scary thing was when I got to the big leagues, I wasn't—I wasn't sure if it was still the same. You know, it's a little bit different, but I saw it manifest itself again. And it was unbelievable. Like I saw the whole thing play out and it's going to hold true in the game because the mound's 60 feet, six inches away and first yep. base 90 feet away. You know, yep. it's great. It's, it's awesome to hear you say, and I think it just even giving it a different, saying it in a different way, it's it, it's going to click with somebody. And, and that's really what we're trying to do. So thank you for the the words. Um, move on to the next thing now. So you talked a little bit about going from starter to reliever, right? Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there was a big difference between being a reliever? And, and I, we talked about this the other day. You got your 100th save, right, as a as a member of the Blue Jays. Is that right?
1: Um, I don't remember, but I, I did get the um, the save in the against last the Twins. Against all that, 30 teams, against not, all thirty teams. the 100th.
0: You got a save so, against every team in the yeah, big league. So yeah. you've done both, right? You've pitched from the 5th, you've pitched the 7th, you've pitched the ninth. What, what are the real differences, do you think? And are there any, really? Or, like, and what is, like, why are closers so valued or, or thought of differently as as uh
1: You know what? I always thought that, <clears throat> and to this day, and I, and I thought I had the same thought process 20 years ago, what made guys that um, different in a bullpen? Because in my mind, even Pickler talked about it on his, when he was on the main stage the other day at the ABCA, you can lose a game in the sixth inning, in the sixth inning. And I and it took me a long time to try to wrap my mind around why, if we can lose the game in the sixth inning, why would we not pitch our best pitcher in the sixth or the seventh inning? Um, I got – I sort, sort came to the whole notion as this is the way you do it, you know, set up man in the seventh, eighth, and then you bring in your closer. But I never thought that that was really – there was really a need for one guy to be designated to do one thing. I think you put your best pitcher out there in the right situation that's going to help that team. Yeah. But So let's go on to the – I think being in the ninth inning, the adrenaline that comes with that, um, I think the responsibility of everything can go wrong, <clears throat> or everything can go right, lays heavy on a closer. On their mind well in the eighth inning you still have time there's a lot of time in the ninth inning if you blow the say that's it you're getting walked off so I think that plays a huge um a huge has a huge mental effect on guys I mean I mean I tell you my issue was when I was in the ninth I always tried to hurry up and get the game over with <clears throat> and when you start to rush what happens you make mistakes and I tried to rush to get the game over with when I learned how to take my time and navigate my way through any, that's when I had my biggest success. But when you, and a lot of times when you try when you rush, you make mistakes. And I, and I, and I always said, that was like the biggest, the difference for me in the eighth inning. And I never rushed because there was a lot of chance. There was a lot of times that wasn't the last time that wasn't the last inning, the ninth inning was coming in and, and we had to play that inning. But for me, Rushing through that ninth inning, man, just getting that one, two, three, one, two, three. And then the crowd get into it. And now you start starting, your adrenaline starts growing a little bit. And if you can't control that, it can get away from you. And a lot of times, you know, when I blew a save in the ninth inning, it was a lot of times I think I was rushing. I didn't, like, take my time. I didn't take my time. I got caught up in the moment. And I let the moment control me as opposed to me controlling the moment
0: interesting way to, to describe it really like I've never heard anybody really talk about rushing but I I, I get I yeah. get what you're saying because you know I think about it from a hitter's perspective and and certainly the implications of pitching the ninth and and, and having the attention of everyone and like you said we could lose a game in the sixth so yeah. um, I wonder if it's probably has more to do with routines right guys getting comfortable like understanding what their role is when they come to the park every day because I think for a long time you know, you didn't see a lot of lineup changes. You didn't see a lot of, you know, the guy that hit third hit third, right? It didn't matter if he was yeah. over twenty. It didn't matter the matchup, and I think it was give and take in both of that, right? And and I, I I grew up in the game that way, where I was I wanted to come to the field and and know what I was doing every day. So when I when people would move me from one spot to the next, I it's like almost like you're lost. Yeah, it, it's weird yeah. because I think if you, you can – a habit, yeah, Preaches exactly, habit. that's what humans Preaches are. It's but so, I
1: always thought about losing a game in the sixth and the seventh inning. I always thought about that because <clears throat> we saw it happen a lot. Because a lot of people don't know, you can blow a save in the sixth and the seventh inning. Yeah, you can blow a save. You can you can get a blown save in that inning. So I'm thinking like, if this is the most crucial point in the game, this is going to tip. This is the difference between our percentage of winning this game goes from thirty nine percent. To about 64% or 39% to 12%. Why not put your pitcher, your best pitcher in the game, in that situation? So right. you can keep that percentage in your favor.
0: Well, you saw it was it the Indians that did it a few years back with Andrew Miller? Like they that was really the first time I I can't remember leverage. Bring leverage. You yeah. bring your guy in leverage spots when he's facing the middle of the order and yep. Uh and you're thinking about you know, how we're going to, how we're going to move the pieces around, play chess. It's all chess. After that. Yep.
1: Yeah. After that, how are we going to do it? How are we going to strategize how to get these guys and how are you going to and it all, but the funny part that all starts CC see from the first inning on, how many times you want to see three, four and five hit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: Absolutely.
1: who you want to face, them, who you want to face them if it comes down to it in the seventh inning. right? All I know is I faced in seventh and eighth inning and I faced Three, four, five a hell of more times than our, our closer did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and everybody thinks he's got the hard job. What, what are we Yeah, talking?
1: I'm like, oh, I think tonight I had the hardest job. I had to go yeah. do three, four, five, man.
0: Cool. <laughs> um, tell me, tell me a little bit about some of your favorite moments. You had so many moments in your career, like, right, just I mean, I can't even imagine playing as long as you did, right? I, I, I would certainly I would love to have. Um, obviously, our stories are a little bit different. Talk to me about your favorite moments, like in what, anything that stands out. And, it's, you know, it could be one, it could be 20, it could be anywhere in the middle.
1: So, my, one of my first coolest moments in the major leagues was actually, um, it wasn't being called up, wasn't making a team. For me, it was watching Paul Molitor get his 3,000 hit, and it was a triple in Kansas City. That was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty, that was, that was awesome. Um, Fast forward from that, our first time winning the division is in Minnesota with, you know, the core players that all came up through the minor league system together in 2002. Um, And then we won it again in 2003. Then you fast forward, you know, first time I hit the free agent market, being the prettiest girl on the block, you know, prettiest girl on the block. Everybody wanted, wanted Latroy to come pitch for him. I mean, that was, that was kind of monumental, you know, for me just because of the way I started and then getting to the point where, you know, as they say, there's no one free agent, you know, reliever on the market. That was cool. And then 07 playing with the Rockies, making it to the world series. Uh, We got swept by the uh, Red Sox, but that was a special Probably 60 days, the first of August to the end of September. I mean, we went on a run as a team that pretty historic. We called it Rocktober. Yep. And we still had to play. We still didn't win the division. We still had to play game 163,
0: which was unbelievable. Which was
1: unbelievable. And that was the Jamie Carroll sack fly to score holiday. And they say, Did you touch home still, plate yet? He said, Touch home plate. You know when people say that, CC, I always tell them. I say Garrett At- Garrett Atkins hit a home run early in the game, and it hit the lady's wheelchair, and they called it a ground rule double. So had it not been for that, we would the game would have been over a long time. Yeah, ago. you got
0: it back. You got it. The game <laughs> yeah. always finds a way to do what was supposed to happen. Yeah, you?
1: heck yeah, heck yeah. So then fast forward that oh seven, um, and then after that, just being able to like in 2014 the last series against the uh, the um, the Dodgers and Vince Scully calling my 1000 appearance in the major league towards the end of the 2014 season. That was pretty, that was pretty special, man. And then being able to um, that January say, this would be my last year playing no matter what. I don't care how it goes, good, bad, or different. My last year playing professional baseball and, you know, going back out and playing with my guys with too you know, my last year in Colorado. And then Tula and I getting traded to Toronto in the same deal. They got two. I always say the Blue Jays got two Troys for the price of one. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, just those moments, like, the last two moments, the two moments we talked about these at the ABC the other day, we talked about Gibby when he came to me, you know, when the Twins were in town. I think it was middle of August. I was like, hey, you got the ninth tonight if it's a closing situation. And I'm like, I couldn't figure out, I'm like, why? Like, Osuna's 19 years old. She pitched every day. Mm-hmm. And remember, at some point during the game, Mark Lowe comes down to the bullpen and was like, Hey, LaTroy, you know, you got to save against every team except for the Minnesota Twins. And I'm like, No, it hadn't crossed my mind. So, just knowing that Gibby was aware of all that and he put me in different situations so I can, so I can you know, have some, some incredible memories, I had no clue. And the game we clinched in Baltimore, the doubleheader. Yeah. Um, you know, we got the when we were winning, and he was like calling out Hawk in the game, and I'm like, why am I pitching? <laughs> like, yeah. Why am I pitching? And he wanted me to. I wanted you to be out there, and we clinched. You know, you're, you said you're going home after this year. You're done. I want to give you every opportunity to enjoy every second, everything that we have to offer during this season. And I thought that was pretty dang cool to give you, man. I that did. was pretty cool. So that was fun that
0: was fun I did too in my you know it's awesome I get chills thinking about even just listening to you talk man because I still I could I have so many things to learn from you still and I think that's it's awesome man I, I'm I feel uniquely blessed to have done what I did and it's crazy because there's so many there's so many moments when I still pinch myself and I'm like man did that really happened to me. Did I really get to hang out with this guy? Do I do I get to send LaTroy Hawkins a text message tomorrow and he's gonna answer back right away? That's that's really cool to me, man. And I'm, I'm bro, I'm great. I don't
1: care when you text me. Um, I'm gonna respond unless I'm unless I'm in on a safari somewhere in Africa. I know That'd take me a while.
0: I know, I know. Next <laughs> I'm you know what? I'm I'm gonna I wanna come with you one time before you know the next thirty years. We'll give ourselves thirty years or so. You got thirty gotta, years? Yeah.
1: Hmm. I don't know how old you are, CC, but in 30 years I'll be 80, Troy, bro.
0: Troy, don't act, don't act like you old dog. Stop it.
1: I'll be 50 <laughs> this year. All
0: right. Well, you're lying. You lying, dog.
1: 50. I'll be a half a century this year, bro.
0: All right. Well, all right. How about in the next 10 then?
1: I'm down with that. I'm all down right. with it. I, I think I probably the impression. It.
0: you're the kind of guy that like when you're 80, you're gonna look 37. I
1: hope so. You look twenty five right now. If you just shave your beard, man, they card you. I'm not shaving my beard. No. They no, card you if you shave that beard, dog. I can't do it, bro. I can't do it, bro. I hate shaving now. I <laughs> shaved for thirty years. I'm out. And I'm not out of the shaving.
0: Oh man, that's too funny.
1: Um, tell anything <coughs> change. Anything you
0: do different if you had if you go go back. Any.
1: Hmm. You know what? I had so much fun. Met so many incredible people. Learned a lot of lessons. And a lot of them I had to learn the hard way. But doing it different, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I love my journey. The struggling at the at the beginning, getting my brains beat in, getting taken advantage of on the mound at the big league level, going up and down, minor leagues, big leagues, big leagues, minor leagues. Um excuse me, no, I, I don't think I would do it over. Like I said earlier, I don't know how uh, how I would have turned out had I had success out the gate in the big leagues.
0: People I ask how me, it turned out. People ask me all the time. They're like, "Don't you wish you'd gotten there sooner?" And from indie ball, I'm like, "Man, I wouldn't have learned half the stuff I did. Like, no, nope. I wouldn't have been ready. I, if I if I did it different, it might have changed everything. You know? Yeah, so- I
1: wasn't ready when I when I went to the big leagues. So, <laughs> I wasn't ready." I mean, I was in a situation where we were, we were um, rebuilding and you know they were talking about contracting the team and all that stuff. So we we're on the verge of being completely wiped off the map. I mean, just, but I, I put up some numbers in the minor leagues and they felt like they had to give me an opportunity and they gave me an opportunity. And I, I don't know what flashes I showed Tom Kelly, but if it wasn't for Tom Kelly, I mean, Tom Kelly used to call me in his office I used to get my brains beat in CC. I'm talking like three innings, like six runs, two and two-thirds, and five runs. Could be worse if my guy didn't come out of the bullpen and get a big out or something. He'd call me, hey, you keep after it, young man. Call me in his office. You keep after it. I love your work ethic. They want you out of here. But if I ever see you stop working, your ass is gone. And I'm like, okay. I used to walk out of his office. Didn't know it was a good meeting or a bad meeting. But he saw something in me long before before I saw it in myself, and you know I had to give a lot of lot of praise to TK because he kept throwing me out there every fifth day, every fifth day he kept throwing me out there. You're gonna figure it out. It's not easy, and you tell people it's not easy as it looks. Like it's not it, this, this game is not easy. because if was easy as it look, everybody be playing. Everybody be playing this game. Yeah. Uh, that's why we are select few because we're special. You're gonna figure it out. I don't know when, but when you do. I'll be here for you. I'm like, okay. I'm like, whew.
0: That was a pretty, pretty good, good impersonation of TK right there. And if <laughs> this uh, box
1: wasn't so small, I got a really good impersonation of TK.
0: And you know what? That's that's an awesome story too. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: So no, I wouldn't have done anything different. I I love the journey. The journey oh. is the journey is what it was all about. And was it difficult at times? Yeah, it was pretty difficult. But you know what? It made the success that much more sweeter. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: That's awesome. This has been great, yeah. man. I uh, again, I'm I'm blessed, honored, thankful. Um, I, I, we gotta we gotta talk. Uh, this is gonna be the post show now. We gotta talk NFL for a second. First of all, I know you got a horse in the ra- in the in the fight, a dog in the fight, a horse in the race, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, give me your I got
1: a stallion in the race, dog. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Well, thoroughbred.
0: Yeah, give me your uh give me your, your NFL postseason predictions before we start. Like Super Bowl Chiefs, we got Chiefs Bucks again, or what what are we doing?
1: Chiefs Packers? You know what, CC man, I don't like to make predictions. I don't
0: either. People ask me to all the time.
1: No, I'm not a prediction. We're too smart type of for guy. that. We're yeah, too- I'm not a prediction type of guy. I just really don't. If there's any given Sunday, anything can happen. Um it's COVID going on right now. <laughs> you might be getting ready for the game on on Friday. Your whole team might be gone. Like it's no, I'm not making any predictions. Um, you know what I would like to see? I would like to see a Super Bowl similar to the National Championship game last night, yeah, where it was really close for a very long time, absolutely. and everybody was on edge, didn't know which way this game was going to go, and then somebody finally broke through. I would like to see that.
0: Absolutely, and if it happened
1: to be the Chiefs, that makes it even better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of that, uh, producer Patrick wants to know, like, where did you fit in the development curve of one young Patrick Mahomes? Like, where would like how much credit does Latroy Hawkins need to take for his success?
1: I'm taking no credit for it. I
0: know, success. but like, I, don't be humble. I mean? Like, you had to play. You <laughs> catch with the kid. Like, I mean, obviously, growing up, like,
1: you know, where I played played a role at? I was his babysitter. When he was a little fella. Well,
0: I mean, that's a he heck of cool a babysitter fella. to have. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah, he had
1: big league babysitters. You're right. Yeah, but you know, I just—it's been CC. It's been five years now. He's been in the league five years, I think. Yeah, probably five years. And it's like it's just still like still gotta like pinch myself. Like, like damn, like he's in the NFL, like doing his thing, and just thinking about all the the conversations we had. Even in high school, it's about baseball and football was like on the backbone. And then the conversation changed from baseball to football, no, football and baseball and just football. And I remember before his spring game as junior year. We were all in a group text like, hey, we come. me and dad coming to the to the spring game. If you're thinking about turning pro, we need to start looking for agents, man. And I need to know right now you want a big agent, you want a small agent, or you want a medium agent. And he was like, I didn't even thought about it. Let's uh, let's talk about it when y'all get here. So we're supposed to have the game on Saturday. A windstorm's coming on Saturday, so they changed the game to Friday. So now we gotta hustle up a day early and get down there. And we went, I know for you was sitting there talking him. he said, I want a small agent. And if I have a good year, there's a good chance we're gonna turn pro. And just, and then, and then after that conversation, every conversation I had with him was about being a leader. Being a leader, leader, leading men because at the next level, as as you know, that's what it's all about, man. You got to be able to lead men. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna be the quarterback or you know superstar, you got to lead the men, and you got to figure out a way to reach everybody. You got to figure out a way to to um, be the first person. There, the last one to leave. you got to put in the work. You got to do a whole lot of things that that leaders do. And that's all we talked about, being a leader, leading me in out situations. And that was it. Talent-wise, I mean, he had that. His dad, I still – his dad is a better athlete than he is. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, his dad is that type of athlete.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's good stuff. I'll give you credit for the conversations and for uh, – th- I mean seriously like as a kid growing up having, having you and and his pops as as role models and I I got to meet his dad I we I now I've shared two teams with you I've played for the Blue Jays and and the Twins and I've shared two teams with Papa Mahomes I've been a Kansas City whatever we were called T-Bone and a Minnesota T-bone, Twin yeah. with him so Oh yeah T-Bone And I, yeah. I got to meet I got to meet him at uh at one of the games, in
1: the T-Bones Hall of Fame or something. Now, yeah,
0: they so he threw out the first pitch one night, and I was like, I was like, hey, I was like, Latroy's my guy, man. And he's like, oh yeah, what's up? And we we hung out, and then Patrick showed up at the game because mm-hmm. you know we we're right there, and 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 one, you know, I didn't obviously I'm playing the game, so I didn't get to go out and say hello, but uh, seems like a great young kid, which to me I think matters more than anything else, and obviously, yeah, I know he's he's connected to you, which I know makes him an A-plus human, so. Um. I'm trying.
1: It's hard. It's hard, boy. You know that life when things happen so fast, like, you know, with his agent, um, Lee Steinberg, Jerry Maguire, and Chris Cabot, you know, they had this plan. And his plan was supposed to kick in in, like, year three. And when the plan kicks in a whole year early, man, things go crazy, man. They huh. went crazy. Like, they had this plan, and then you have to back that plan up because then he goes out there and went MVP, then he won the Super Bowl and go back-to-back back Super Bowl, and everything just just accelerated. So it's been a – All that pedigree.
0: It's all that pedigree, dog. A,
1: it's been a good go the last four yeah. years, but that's one thing, like, I was talking about. Like, for me, I couldn't have started. I don't know how I would have handled starting here he set the bar so dang on high that like early this year when he was struggling a little bit, it was like, it's the end of the world for, yeah. you know, people, it was, you know, when you set the bar so high it's the end of the world when you're not performing like people think you should, or the way you performed the last four years consecutive.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why you need the good resources in your life. You need the good, support systems you need mm-hmm. family people you're tightest with and and those have to stay true and consistent because those are the things you have to rely on you know yeah. those are of yeah. reason yeah yep and that's why yep. having you in having you in his corner um i'm sure is a, is a huge asset even though you downplay it so i know yeah. having you in my corner is an asset baby i'm having uh, you in
1: my corner too cc uh, that's what it's all about well, Shopping, I, I appreciate shoppers iron
0: I appreciate you so much, my man. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for your time. Um, right. you know, continued uh, success, luck with uh, your role with the Twins. Uh, bring them back to the promised land. And uh, I can't wait to see you on a broadcast and uh, you and Morney, I'll, I'll just start sending texts whenever I, you know, like whenever I Hit see him something.
1: up, hit him up, hit him up. Appreciate you, CeCe, as always. Tell the fellas, I said hello. Patrick, be easy, brother.
0: My man, so good to see you. And uh, this is how we sign off, Troy. It's a little weird, but I'm a weird person. Hey, Pickle out.